You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by the free elementary music newbie guide. We all know that you can't learn it all in four years, but the sad reality is that many new music teachers don't feel prepared for the elementary music classroom. In this free guide, we'll work through four of the most important things when it comes to being successful as an elementary music teacher. To grab your guide, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash newbie. Again, that's thatmusicteacher.com slash N-E-W-B-I-E. All right, everyone, welcome. So if you are here on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, I'm super excited for you to join me as I record this episode of That Music Podcast live Um, Today, we're going to be talking all about the things that we can do at the end of the year. I don't know about you, but I am ready for summer. I'm ready to really get, use these next few weeks to really make some meaningful moments of music education so that we can be back to work and get everything that we need to do, but also not drive ourselves nuts. So today I wanted to share some examples and some ideas that I've done in the past or that I've seen people do about ways that we can make the end of the year not crazy, but really meaningful for our students. So I have a few different things that I want to kind of touch on. Um, And if you're listening to the podcast, I'm actually live on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, which is really exciting. It's something new I'm doing with the the podcasts. Um, And I'm really excited that we're able to have some sort of live um, input from from you guys while we're recording these podcast episodes. So my first thing I want to talk about when it comes to things that to do at the end of the year is all about field day and doing some socially distant folk songs. So I know field day probably isn't going to look like what it has in the past if your school's doing it at all, but I think that there's so many opportunities for us to have some outdoor time in the music class, um, in music for us to do some folk dances uh, and things like that, that still are following our music curriculum, still doing what we need to do, but are allowing us to go outside, which even like in a normal year, being able to go outside at this time of year is amazing. Um, and then this year it's super helpful because a lot of us still can't sing inside. Um, so hopefully you're able to sing if you're socially distanced and outside. Um, but some of my favorite things to do outside is especially when it comes to these large movement activities. Um, I love the folk dance Sasha, um, which I'm, I absolutely love. Uh, I've done a social distance version of it. Um, where basically instead of actually clapping hands, they're just standing across from their partner. So they'll go right, 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 left, 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 both, both, both knees, 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 just like they normally would. But instead of actually, you know, high-fiving a partner, they're just doing it in the air towards a partner. Um, again, you can make these as big as you need to do as, as much room as you have out in your in outside. So you can keep everyone nice and spaced out. Um, so for instance, in Sasha, typically the circle will go in, get smaller. I've just done it. Instead of the circle going in, I'd make the circle go out. So we have even more room. 
Um, another one that's great um, is uh, the Paw Paw Patch, uh, which is a wonderful play party from one of the, the small play party book. I wish I had it with me and I could give you a little bit more information on it. Uh, but it is a wonderful little um, book of play parties that gives you the formation, the song itself, and how to implement it in your classroom. Uh, Paw Paw Patch is a wonderful um play party that I use. It has a long way set, which is wonderful for helping students creating these parallel lines. Um, and you can make it super spaced out um, outside just by taking up a bunch of space. One thing that I've noticed with my kids, especially when we're outside and super spread out, they don't want to be, they're, they're a little less comfortable singing and kind of having that really, um, that singing being right there out and about. So one thing that I've done is I've you brought out my guitar or my ukulele to help provide some chordal accompaniment, um, which I think has been really helpful because especially since we're outside, we're kind of spaced out. It sounds different. Um, students, especially the older ones, are a little less likely to want to put the you know, their full effort, you know, the full, you know, wonderful, proud singing. Uh, so by adding some sort of chordal accompaniment kind of gives them a little bit of uh, a base to work off of so they don't have to feel like they're kind of out there and kind of exposed. Um, another one that's great, especially for the little ones, freeze dance is wonderful. Um, I do something that I learned from my cooperating teacher when I was student teaching, um, walk and stop. Um, so we, and you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you walk, and you stop. And you walk and you walk and you walk and you walk and you stop. And then you can change it up like, and you jump and you jump and you jump and you jump and you jump. And you stop and, or, and you walk and you walk and you walk and you stop. And basically you're allowing them to move. You're having them listen. Um, the ways that I've do, I've kind of done this to approach a, a musical concept a little better, um, where I've done it where um, – I get two pitch bells, and if, if my, for instance, my kindergartners, if they're working on soul and me, I might get a soul and me, and I'll go, ding, 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 hitting the little pitch bar, da, 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 ding, 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 and they have to freeze when it changes, um, or freeze when it when it goes to me, or whatever like that. So that's another way, if you're working on melodic concepts, to kind of adapt freeze dance. Like, fr don't get me wrong, freeze dance is great. Uh, there are some wonderful reasons to do freeze dance in your classroom, and again, the kids love it. But I think if we're able to throw in some more musical concepts there and throw in some more standards and kind of connect things to more of, you know, our musical goals, I think that's even better. So that's my first kind of category for ideas for the end of the year, um, it, which is to go outside and do some sort of socially distant folk dances or some things that you might, might normally do like on a field day, um, but do it outside in music class, especially if your school's not doing a field day. What can we do to make these musical gross motor games that we would normally do um, and put them into the musical classroom, even if that happens to be outside? Um, if you have a parachute, a parachute might be great, um, depending on how um, you're able to, you know, isolate it or sanitize it between classes. That might be a great way to do it. Um, there, so there's just a lot of activities that you could do outside. So that's kind of my first thing, especially this year, <laughs> uh, as we're dealing with COVID. I think it's it, it's great for us to be able to, to go outside when we can to still follow our musical goals, but also get out of the classroom. Another thing I love doing all year, but especially at the end of the year, is allowing the students to have the opportunity to have some student-focused composition and improvisation. Um, so a lot of times I use literature as a starting point. And I can't say that this is my idea I, or, you know, I came up with this wonderful – no, this is something that, like, I've just learned from a lot of amazing teachers and I'm passing it on to you is using books such as Up, Up, Down or um, – oh, my goodness, what's the other one? I can't remember. So just using literature that has um, 
that has opportunities for you to use instruments or to have improvisation is a wonderful time to allow your students to explore the instruments without having them feel like they're super um, high risk or feel like they need uh, anything that might kind of stress them out or kind of get them in the way. Uh, so I love using literature as a starting point for those. Um, so this we, we've been using Glockenspiels, and we've been doing a lot of using uh, the Robert Munch books to use our, the instruments in a creative way that allows them to do um, some interesting things using the instrument instruments. But it's not necessarily saying, "All right, we're going to be composing a song. We're going to we're going to do this." No, it was just allowing them the opportunity to explore and use these instruments in a different way. Another thing that's great, especially if you're trying to go outside, is doing a music and a sound scavenger hunt. This could be wonderful. I know here, you know, my my school is wonderful, and it's outside, and it's surrounded by um, all kinds of woods and things. So what we can do is, you know, we could walk around to um, walk around the school, and we can listen to all the different sounds we hear. We might hear birds. We might hear a truck going by. We might hear um, a dog barking. What? And there's things that you can hear. Um, that I think it's good, for, interesting for us to, to kind of notice. This is great for younger kids. I've used this with like preschool and kindergarten kids. And I think it's a great way for us to kind of get them to listen to what's around them. Um, if you're going to do something, you know, in the future, like music concrete, concrete and, you know, the found music and the found sounds, this is a wonderful place to start. Even if it's just walking down your hallway and maybe you can hear teachers that are, that are teaching, or you hear people that are, um, listening to music as they're working or things like that. I think it's a wonderful way to, again, just get our kids to listen, which is a great way to kind of help them notice the music around them sometimes or notice the, the ways that music can not necessarily be what happened to the music classroom, but it's just you know a series of sounds and, and how things work together. Another wonderful way to use the end of the year is to focus a little bit more on careers in music. I know that this is, these are in a lot of our standards and that this is one of those things that me personally, I've struggled with kind of implementing in my class in the past. So I've been doing a lot of, you know, talking about different composers, uh, but also talking about modern modern artists and musicians that are still making music now, as well as um, doing some things about, you know, what are some careers in music that you might not have thought about? Um, I have a wonderful resource that I purchased from Elizabeth Caldwell um, from Organized Chaos that has a I think all about Foley and about the you know creation of sound effects for movies. Um, it is a wonderful project. My sixth graders eat it up. They absolutely love doing it every year. Um, and it's a wonderful project for the end of the year. My last thing I want to share is using camp songs. Now, I love using camp songs. I honestly, the more I like think about me as a music teacher, I ended up using, uh, I ended up a music teacher because of my experience leading camp songs for Cloverbud Camp <laughs> back in the day, old 4-H camp, leaving the little, the little ones. And I loved, you know, doing songs, um, especially with younger kids. Um, they have there's great for call and response, a lot of echo songs. Um, there's a lot of songs that have movement. Um, so these are great ways that we can implement the camp songs that maybe you've learned in your experience, or maybe, you know, if you have a bunch of kids that are Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, maybe they know camp songs. 
Um, so I think this, this is a great way, especially if we're going to be outside, to do a lot of um, new re- repertoire in a different way. Um, for instance, a couple that I like, I love, Oh, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. Oh, row the rattling bog, the bog down in the valley, oh. And that's a song I first learned at camp. Um, or, hi, my name is Joe, and I work in a button factory. And there's so many camp songs. Um, a little disclaimer on the camp songs is I would just kind of be wary of your source um, and just make sure that uh, any repertoire that you are choosing is repertoire that's coming from a place of positivity and not from a place of um, not so niceness <laughs> or bl- uh, flat out racism. So I just be a little bit careful there um, and be, be sure that you know um, kind of what you're getting into. Make sure you know the... Um, really the source where, where it's actually coming from. Um, so I love using camp songs, um, and talking about musical careers and music sound effect or sound scavenger hunts and field days and things that we can do outside, especially at the end of the year, because let's be honest at the end of the year, even in a normal year, we, as the teachers are tired, the students are tired. Sometimes it can get hot. Sometimes you know we're, we're battling t- testing and different schedules and everything is crazy. So I think it's important for us to kind of change it up a little bit to just add a little bit of change and to kind of not get stuck in we're doing the same thing again, again, and again for the next few weeks, but change it up a little bit by doing some things to allow us to really do what we need to do, honestly, at the end of the year, still follow our um, curriculum, allow us to get um, what we need to do done with when it comes to um, any testing or, you know, getting your assessments done so that you can finish your um your, your grade cards at the end of the year, but we're still allowing our students to experience music in a lot in a lot of different ways. And that's what I really enjoy about kind of mixing it up, especially at the end of the year, um, mixing it up in a way that kind of changes it so that everyone is kind of thrown for a loop a little bit, um, which allows us to kind of um, make sure that we're not kind of getting stuck in a rut and we're, we're moving to something new. So these were some of my favorite activities to use at the end of the school year. Now, clearly that's not everything I do. And clearly you don't have to do everything I do. (laughs) I just wanted to share some ideas to help us get through the last few weeks of school and make it to summer vacation so that we can engage our students, but also keep ourselves engaged in the classroom as we get closer and closer to summer vacation. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.